Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we have a great question. Keeps coming up. Oh man. So yeah, this this question. Um I was just asked this question twice last week. Yeah. And and you and I t- have talked about this, and even even you said, Duke, um, hey, you know what? Leave it alone because we've already hit it. But yet, it's still in our face. Constantly in our face. And I would say, by way of introduction to our topic today, this is a sweet-spirited biblical stand and not a slam. Right. But guaranteed by a lot of people, they'll misread it. They're going to misread it. <clears throat> and guys, listen. Here, One of the things about According to John is we hit every topic. We hit it head on. Without apology. Without apology. Hopefully with a warm, uh, encouraging spirit. Yeah. Um, with humor and... What are you talking about? Truth. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but humor and truth and uh, compassion, empathy sarcasm. I mean, we have all of it, right? It's true. Yeah. And anytime we hit a sensitive topic, it is our goal to approach it with compassion. The mind of God and the heart of God. Exactly. Now, we may fail sometimes, but that's our desire. And for that, we we, we apologize. Yeah. Um, but all that being said, we have to honor God. And and I've said this before, and I, I will always say it. I'd rather people leave mad than God leave mad. Yeah. Or I'd rather give, I'd rather give truth and be hated than to give a, a, a false representation of God right. and have people who are far from God to be comforted thinking it's okay when it's not okay. Exactly. Have you figured out our topic yet? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Step up, John. Here is the question. Why can't the church just accept the LGBTQIA lifestyle? Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to give you biblical reasons why the church cannot accept that lifestyle as being okay. Now, that doesn't mean that we that we don't love the person. It doesn't mean that we're not loving and compassionate toward the lost. But what it means is that the church cannot lower its standards to accept the sin when the scriptures clearly tell us to shun it. See, the church didn't write the standards. God wrote the standards. Yeah. He had those exact same standards in the Old Testament law and now in the New Testament church, and Pastor John has all the scriptures lined up where we're going to look at them. You really you see, it, it really isn't an issue of it's complicated if you if you believe the Bible is the word of God. It's, it's really simple. Right. It's just jacked in our society that has turned completely away from God, and everything that God hates, a godless society, loves. Everything right. that God loves, Satan and his team hate. And here we are in the last days when the Bible very clearly said in the book of Jude, in the latter days, it will be as Sodom and Gomorrah in the latter days. And, you know, it's interesting. 
we use the word today homosexuality, but the Bible uses the word sodomy. Right. And so I, 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 don't, I hate to offend people, but like you say, I'd rather offend people than God. If I would not, if I would not offend somebody, I would not be a servant of Christ. Because so, let's, let's be honest, the Bible is offensive toward those who don't want to live it. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So, hey, I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, the Duke Meister. And today we will answer the question, why can't the church just accept the LGBTQIA lifestyle? And here's the answer. Brother, will you open us in prayer before we get started? Yes, Father, we uh, are not on the attack, but we know who is on the attack. Uh, Satan, the deceiver, the liar, the murder from the beginning. And we pray in Jesus' name, the blood of Christ upon this podcast, upon those who listen, upon our words, Lord, that we will just make clear your word and let people accept it or reject it. It's, it's one or the other. And we pray that uh, we will be so uh, biblically literate that we can take our knowledge and help people f- out of a lifestyle that will condemn them into the glorious liberty of Jesus Christ. Thank you for those homosexual people who have found Jesus as their personal Savior in our ministries, have come clean, have repented, walk with you now, and reach back out into that old community to, to share the gospel. That's our intent today. Bless it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, the goal here is answer the question and pray that people get saved and God gets the glory. Yeah. That's the goal. And and if and if you take it any other way, that's for you to deal with. You know, we're not here attacking, we're not here uh and I and I know that sometimes I can come across um <laughs> I love you, man. I don't even know the word. At any rate, you're strong. Uh, you're strong. Yeah, I'm just, you know what? It's just like it, I think you and I were talking the other day and I said, you know, uh, I share information. I'm not attached to it. Like it's just information. This isn't personal to me. It's not a personal attack on anyone. It's just information. And so when people are like, how can you do that? I am not attached to it. Yeah. I think we both know, and we think you can tell by our spirit, we're we're not uh, attacking anybody. We're ministering with a broken heart today, but I'm also ministering with encouragement because I have led homosexual people to Christ and he empowered them. They were told that's the way you were born. That is a lie. The Bible says God made both male and And female female. and it's a done deal. If you believe the Bible and I know there, let's just, just lean. We just turn into God's word. That's all. Yeah. Here's where we are. Okay. So why can't the church just accept the LGBTQIA lifestyle? And here is why. So the Bible is consistent throughout both the Old and New Testament. It is very consistent, no uh, contradiction, and it confirms that homosexuality is a sin. If we look in Genesis 19, 1 through 13, it is literally the event of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. Not the story, the historical facts of the event. Because if you use the word story, then people can think it's made up. Mm-hmm. This is not a story. It's a narrative of, of an event. Historical facts of an event. And it talks about how they went wayward. 
Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When he saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here, now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night. Wash your feet, then you may rise early and go on your way. They said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. The men of the city. The men of the city. That's so important because what happens next is verse 5. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally or sexually. This is an absolute homosexual act. Yeah, it's interesting. Men with men, who the New Testament would say would do that which is unseemly, which is unnatural. It's it's interesting, very clear in the scripture. There was just the two genders. These are men with men. Now we get sexual preferences and call them genders. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think last I heard is uh, I think seventy three, seventy four, something like yeah, that. Like, uh, it's always growing. But it's it's really uh, I can't even keep up with it anymore, man. I, I really can't. Like, I, I, um, people's mind, dude. How do you even create that? It's just sexual preferences called gender. That's a modern phenomena. The answer is in the Bible, not in psychology. Yeah. So uh, verse six, uh, it goes on. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said. Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two. This blows my mind. I've read this a thousand times and it blows my mind every time I read it. Lot says, see, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. I'll give you my two daughters to all the men of the city. And these daughters were married, and we wonder why his sons-in-law had no respect for him. I have in my notes in my Bible next to this verse, Lot, you pathetic wimp. Well, they couldn't have been married yet. They were, they were, they were um, espoused Okay, because they don't, haven't known a man yet. I have to study deeper. I just know yeah. he's a pathetic wimp to send. Well, he is a pathetic wimp to send out these girls, whatever right. their marital right. status is. Right. To well, they were they were they were a spouse, which technically they were married. Yeah, and it they was just a they just haven't they just had not um, uh, sealed that marriage, if you will, with the sexual act yet, because they were a spouse, not uh, which meant that the their husbands or the husbands to be were out. Uh, adding on to their father's house yeah. because in verse eight, it says, see, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. So they could not have consecrated the marriage yet. And it's interesting in this text, these guys of Sodom are not interested in these girls. They're <laughs> interested in these men. Yeah. Virgins. Per- now, yeah. now if I was, if I was perverted in my thinking, I would be very interested in these women. Mm-hmm. They're virgins. Yeah. 
But these men are like, we look, bring the men out. We want the men. The men want the men. Interesting here. I know we're going to get to it in a moment. I just got to jump in. They think they're men. They look like men, but we did another podcast. They're going to find out. They're not men. They're, not men. <laughs> they're angels. Right. And these are like Green Beret. You know, yeah. angels, <laughs> angels are not little Cupid dolls, man. These are like the Green Beret. The Green Beret. <laughs> yeah. Dude. So verse 9 says, and they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man lot and came near to break down the door. Man, now now they're like, okay, you're not going to send them out? We will bust your door yeah, down. We're taking it by force. We're not taking no for an answer. Right. How twisted is this? Yeah. Then he goes into... 10, but the men reached out their hands, pulled Lot into the house with them, and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. And even that didn't stop them. Verse 12, then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your, uh, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. See, that's what, they call them son-in-law because they're a spouse, but not. They haven't. Yeah, I, I never really saw that detail before, Johnny. I, I picked up on it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I just know. I just so emotional because I got two daughters. Right. And a guy'd be willing to do that. It's like, dude, I'd, Lord, please, if I'd love to punch Lot in the face. Right. I know, it, exactly. Because there is no way in the world I'd offer my two daughters to one man, let alone a group of men. And I've even told my son-in-laws and my son-in-law to be. <laughs> Uh, if, yeah. if it happens that if you ever hurt my daughter, I'm going back to jail. <laughs> yeah. I think every daddy, a, a good daddy feels that way. Boy, this is sick. Isn't this, it? Oh, this angers me. Right. It's like, dude, how can you be so ungodly to do that? This is when people have completely tuned out. God, they're mm -hmm. going to do their thing. No matter what they could the Well, and then what's crazy is what's crazy is the Bible says that in the end times, it's going to look just like this again. Yeah. And, and it's here. And it's here. Yeah. says, then the men said to Lot, have you, ha have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So you can kind of see where God stands on this issue. Leviticus 18.22, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And now the, and I know that the uh, LGBTQIA groups are trying to change the definition of abomination, or they say that, that we have changed the definition of abomination, that it wasn't a bad thing back then. But it, it it's always been a bad thing. And they're going to destroy the, an entire city because of this sin and i know other people argue well it's not because of the sin it's because they were unfriendly <laughs> dude it's so clear what it is yeah like i say i, I mentioned it before this is really not a complicated biblical issue it's not it's just a matter do you accept the word of god does god have the right to, to be the judge uh they say no we're we're our own judge and if god tries to judge us he's evil uh, well, that's that's the voice of Satan, of course. Well, and here's the other thing that I want you to see how consistent God is. If you look at the Old Testament and you look at the New Testament, 
uh, the Old Testament in Leviticus 20, 13. Now, I understand that people say, well, that's the Old Testament. That was under the law. We're not under that anymore. And I agree with you, we're not. But I also know in Mal- Malachi, or Malachi, if you're from the happy days, uh, in, in 3, 6, it says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Well, here we have it in the Old Testament, in Leviticus twenty thirteen. if a man lies with a male, as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death, their blood shall be upon them. Then if we go to Romans, which is New Testament, right, uh, 1, 26 through 27 says this, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And then as you read on, you find out that the penalty that was due was death, which we find in verse 32. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And so now it's those who do and those who practice, or, or those who practice and those who approve of that. Those who defend it. They're all deserving of death. So you have the Old Testament that says it's an abomination. They're deserving of death. We have the New Testament who says it's an abomination and that they're deserving of death. What the, and the reason I'm bringing this out is because I want you to see that the Bible has been consistent throughout that if it was a sin then, it's a sin now. And that also that uh, God is so serious about it that he says in the Old Testament deserves death. The New Testament is deserving of death. Why can't the church accept the lifestyle? Because God refuses to accept the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I see them trying to theologically dance around it and say the exact opposite of what God says. You know, God closed out the book of Revelation chapter twenty-two, eighteen and nineteen. Said, "Don't you dare add anything to the scripture. Don't you dare take away." And that's exactly what they're doing. Well, and it's a constant wanting to change, change, change. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. This is a, this is a warning. Okay, this is inform- a question and then a warning, right? Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Question mark. Do not be deceived. Take note. Listen to me. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. And it goes on with nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. It's one of many. It is one of many. And so I'm not pointing it out that homosexuals are the only ones not going to heaven. It is one of many. But but they're in there. Isn't it interesting? I've had people come to me hundreds of times. What do you think about homosexuality? I've never had anybody come to me and say, what do you think about extortioners? <laughs> what do you think about drunkards? What do you think about? It's like, this is something that's, uh, that's more uh, sinister, more uh, in your face. It's just the hot issue. And we were told prophetically that it would be. Yeah. And so they separate it out as that uh, it's okay. God made you this way. Yeah. It's, but it's not. You can you can quote 
you can misquote God all you want, but you give account for it. Yeah. Yeah. J- listen, just because you tell a lie doesn't mean it becomes truth. And just because you convince yourself that it's okay doesn't mean that it is. Uh, truth is truth regardless of what you believe. And truth is not dependent upon you and I. Truth stands alone. Yeah. We can accept it or we can deny it, but it does not change the result of we suffer the consequences of rejecting it. You have people just ignorant of the truth, which I was for many years. You have people that sort of have heard the truth and reject it. Mm-hmm. You have people that kind of hear the truth and they don't want to reject it, but they don't want to stand. And you have people that hear the truth, embrace it, right, and stand. And we will be hated for that. That's part of being willing to suffer reproach for the name of Jesus. Yeah. And we see a lot of ministries today, little smiley TV pictures <laughs> that dance around this or just really completely avoid right. the topic. Well, I just want to preach Jesus. Yeah, I don't want to offend no one. I don't want to stop the money. I don't want and and guys, listen, I don't want to offend anyone either. Especially God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the end, but, he's the only one that's going to count anyway. Yeah. But here's the thing. I can't stand with God and not offend man. And so I have to, and we have to make a decision. Do we stand with God, love God, preach the truth of God and the word of God, or do we appease man so that we're accepted by men? And I'm just going to stand with God. And that doesn't make me popular with people. This thing gets fleshed out constantly in the local New Testament church. Yeah. Pastors are, had a, a, a gal come uh, to our church years ago and her husband and they're precious people. And with broken hearts, they had a son that was pretty effeminate and he, in his early mid-20s, uh, pronounced himself gay and uh, lived in that lifestyle and broke their hearts. But obviously, we love these people. I have close family members who have chosen to be that way. It's, this is up close to all of us. It's in everyone's face. L- and, listen, half of my family, the majority of my family quit talking to me this is the issue because I don't agree with yeah yeah their children's lifestyle and this family they 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 heard about our church she heard me witnessing and ministering in a hospital and she goes I've never had any pastor care for me like you just cared for that woman I can I come to your church she was catholic and they came they loved it and then after about a year and a half this topic came up and I hit it uh, I hit it with a broken heart, with tears, and there's several homosexuals in our crowd mm-hmm. sitting nearby them right. who were repented and loved everything that I was saying, and they're enjoying their marriage now. They're enjoying their children. We're going to have grandkids someday, and this just ripped their hearts out, and they came to me, which was really beautiful mm-hmm. and rather fendy, but it really wasn't me who offended them. Right. It was the Word of God that offended We had a wonderful talk, and they never came back. So they went to a great uh, church, even closer to home, uh, that I'm actually great friends with their pastor. And they went there for about a year. This isn't something that we hit it, hit it, hit it. This is like some kind of a hobby horse we ride, but we get hit with these questions. Right. We got to answer them. So they're at that church. They love it, you know, and then the the time came up and as they're preaching expositorily through the scriptures, they run into this topic. And he stood exactly where I stood uh, on this issue. And he had a broken heart and a tender spirit. And they had many homosexuals come to faith in Christ there as well and they had audience with him did it all over again and uh, he stood where I stood and a kind brilliant fruitful man of God and they left his church 
And uh, it's kind of like, you know, I know these people trust Jesus, but they were like, we want to get a church to say it's okay. And my position would be, you need to get your son under the influence of the truth. You need to be salt Mm -hmm. to your son and present him. Here are, here's what the Bible says. And Jesus came to, to give us eternal life. He paid for that sin that right. you're committing. We want you to know him and, and turn from your sin. Heterosexuals have to turn from their sin. Homosexuals have to turn from their sin. Now, marriage is within the boundaries of heterosexuality, period. Right. And so I just see that this is, and I shared with you just in our prep time, we arrive in New York to start a church, July 1st, 1978. Uh, the neighbors came to meet us. My wife, six months pregnant. She goes in the house. The guy, his name was Larry and, and his wife, uh, Debbie, they came out and, oh, we're your neighbors. Thank, you know, can we help you? And he was helping me unload the little trailer. And uh, his wife was in her first question out of her mouth when they found out I was a minister. What do you think about homosexuality, right? It's like, hello, what about Jesus? What about eternal life? What about heaven? What about right and wrong? But it's, but you know what? I don't apologize for standing. No. And people have been around my ministry for years and years and years as well, Johnny. They know we have compassion. Right. But I ain't backing up an inch. First Timothy 1.10. Because the reality is we can't back up. So first Timothy 1.10 says this, for fornicators, for sodomites, sodomites, sodomites it's the biblical word for homosexuality for kidnappers liars perjurers and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine or the word of god so they want us to have unsound doctrine so we can accommodate and that's what it comes into but but we can't do that and that's why that listen that is why i could stop here and just say that's why the church can't accept the lgbtq lifestyle that's the answer because simple we, it goes against sound doctrine, but we're not going to stop there. We're going to go on because, because I want. Because God did not stop there. He did not. Jude 1.7, as Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we just talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. We just looked at the, uh, the scriptures in it. Yeah, we looked at the whole thing. And now, and that was Old Testament. And now, what is this? Uh, 2,000 years? Three. Uh, 3,000 years later. Yeah, 3,000. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, let's stop just for a minute. Those people that say Sodom and Gomorrah it wasn't about uh, homosexuality. Uh, well, then you got to throw the book of Jude out. Mm-hmm. They don't want it to be. They don't want it to be. Homosexuality. And Jude makes this very clear that just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them that have, that gave themselves over to sexual immorality after strange flesh, that doesn't mean someone from another country. What it means is the opposite or, or the same sex. Yeah. You have people that are ignoring the word of God. You have people that are even worse, twisting the word of God, and they are sort of biblically partakers of the same sin instead of just listening to God, agreeing with God, and doing what he says, which if you're homosexual, repentance, he will forgive you. He will come into your heart just like he came into mine. He will change you from the inside out. 
but they no, we're going to stand here and God's got to change. Right. You know, ain't going to happen. Yeah. And so this you got me fired up. <laughs> I'm normally this sweet, nice guy over her. Well, and if you had known our conversation prior to this podcast, uh, that's what makes it even more funny. Any rate, I don't uh, know what you're going to get with the Duke Meister. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing that I want you to see is Jude 3000 years later says, Hey, I just did the math 2,500. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was closer to the mid, uh, between two Abraham, and three, but yeah, I think you're right. Let's go with two. Yeah. I was going two to 2,200. Yeah. Is somewhere around there. I think you're right. So two to 2,200 years later, but either way, 2,000 year, 2,000 plus years later. And plus the 2,000 years, it was from there to Christ. From there. This was written and another 2,000. So yeah. that's 4,000, maybe 4,200. Yeah. From when it actually happened. Yeah. And it's in our face and it still shows itself to be true today and nothing has changed. And guys, it says they gave themselves over to sexual immorality. That is the LGBTQIA uh, lifestyle, if you will, and are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Interesting. There was a temporary fire, which took them out. But the Bible doesn't say a temporary fire. It says eternal. Yeah. It, they went from the fire of, of, of the city. And then I've been to the dig where they uncovered Sodom in 1975, the southern part of what is the Dead Sea today. It's been dried down. The water level's lower, and they've, they have uncovered it. And it's under three feet of ash. Mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, right. But you see, Yeah, because they found it. Yeah. Yeah, they found it. Under the ash. This isn't some kind of story. This I know. This is the truth. That's what happened. God's like, you know, I to me, that's a warning. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. I, I don't want people to suffer the vengeance of eternal fire. Well, that's why, we, that's why we have this, because we don't want people to go there. Mm -hmm. And so please don't misunderstand. We're not doing this so we can go, nah, 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 or look at you, and we're better than you. This is take heed to the word of God, because if not, you will suffer eternal fire. And it's called hell. Yep. I don't want people going there, Johnny. I don't either. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're doing this podcast. To get back to the scriptures, the New Testament reinforces what the Old Testament says. And that, and it says in Leviticus 20, 13, if a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. In other words, they have done this to themselves mm -hmm. by not heeding to the word of God. And this isn't a scare tactic, guys. This is just information. And I'm not trying to sound unplugged. It's, it's just information that you need to know that where God stands and why the real church, oh, that's hard. The real church stands with scripture. And if, if your church is open and says that homosexuality is okay. It's not a scriptural church. You're in the wrong church. If it's not a scriptural church, is it a church at all? Right. It might just be a tax exempt organization with mm -hmm. a sign on the front that says church. Right. And I will also say this, if you're in a church that hates homosexuals, you're in the wrong church. Amen. You know, it goes both ways. We've got to have this balanced and we have to be scripturally accurate. This is not about hating anyone this isn't about attacking anyone this is about being faithful and true to the word of god that's what this is about amen perfect heart johnny 
So I want you to see that the difference between the Old and the New Testament is that the New Testament offers hope and restoration. That's the coolest part. So if you're caught up in homosexuality, there is restoration through Jesus Christ, but it's only through Jesus. And it is the same people that offered uh, uh, to anyone else who chooses to accept it. Listen, it's the same hope. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Who believe what? Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. John 3.16 through 18, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, I will say this. If you say, I believe in Jesus, and then you say, God made me homosexual, you don't believe in Jesus. You can't. You can't believe in the Son of God that absolutely stands against that that lifestyle. I think of the scripture verse says, out of the same mouth comes blessings and cursing. This should not be so. It should not be so, you know, yeah. We embrace God's morality or we embrace uh, or we reject it. And Absolutely. We something else. Listen, God's standard of holiness did not change when Jesus came. No. Did not. Because remember, I said in the beginning, in Malachi or Malachi. <laughs> it's actually pronounced Malachi. I thought he was in Italian. Right <laughs> yeah, right. Malachi. Yeah, he was in a Godfather. Yeah. I saw him there. Yeah, right? Malachi 3 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Malachi 3 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. And we, we have seen in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God did not change. Hebrews 13 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, Sodom and Gomorrah, today, America, and through the end of time, God will not change his stand on homosexuality. Yeah. Like I said in the beginning, this isn't a complicated biblical issue right. at all. It's just a matter of do we believe what God says. Right, exactly. Listen, the New Testament is just a continuing revelation of God's interaction with people. God hated idolatry in the Old Testament. We find that in Deuteronomy 5, 8. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And he still hates idolatry in the New Testament. First John 5, 21, little children, Keep yourselves from idols. So God, again, not just in homosexuality, but God is consistent with his stand in idolatry. Old Testament, he hated it. New Testament, that he hates it. So what was immoral in the Old Testament is still immoral in the New Testament. Scripture with Scripture. Yeah. Now, here's some tough things, guys. Um, this is Some of this is, is hard Scripture. You didn't write this, John. You're reading it. I'm reading it. Thank you. The New Testament says that homosexuality is a shameful lust. Romans 1.26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. 
It is a shameful lust or a vile passion. It is a shameful act. It's an abomination of natural relations. Romans one twenty seven. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful. How can God be accepting of that if God says it is shameful? Mm-hmm. You, you can't have it both ways. And the scripture has never changed. So where do you justify that God is okay with this? Uh, homosexuality is wrongdoing, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. And it goes on. It is wrong, and it is not acceptable to God. Homosexuality is sexual immorality and perversion. We found that in Jude 1.7. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh perversion are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of an eternal fire. Now, this is the real hard part. But again, thank you, Duke. I'm reading it. I didn't make this up. I didn't write it. You have the courage to read what God wrote. Homosexuality carries a due penalty. Romans 127. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And if we scroll down to 32 who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. And I'm going to tell you, man, what really breaks my heart, because people will say because of of podcasts like this and stands like this, that we're the reason that homosexuals are committing suicide. We're not the reason homosexuals are committing suicide. We are the reason homosexuals are surrendering their life and getting saved. Amen. But here's a tragedy to this, man. And I thought about this. Um, people that are committing suicide because this lifestyle is not accepted. But the Bible says that the penalty of this sin is death. The percentage of uh, suicide is so much higher in that community. And instead of saying it's the fault of those who oppose it and offer a different lifestyle, very good could well be the fact that they are practicing it is not meeting the needs of their heart. It's not giving right. them the peace and joy that the people who fight for them think that it does bring them. You know, And, and if Christians would just accept it, then these people wouldn't commit suicide because they would feel good about themselves. But wouldn't change a thing in my view. Well, I, I don't think it does. I think it's just a, uh, I was listening to a pastor who used to be a porn star and he got saved. When he got saved, he came out of that. And toward the end of his career as a porn star to keep making the money, he had to start doing gay films. And he said throughout 
all he wanted to do after each time he'd go home is he wanted to commit suicide and he had planned to commit suicide. He, he goes to the bank, makes a deposit. And, and as he's making a deposit, he said on the checks they put down there, it's very clear what, what he does for a living. Right. And he takes it in and he said to tell her, uh, this was a moment that changed his life. The teller looks at him. His name's Joshua. I believe it's Joshua Broom. Uh, the teller looks at Joshua and says, Joshua, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And this was after the transaction. Wow. He said it literally stunned him because he had not heard his real name in over a year. God will reach down to the bottom, won't he? And he said he went home, and through a series of events, God saved him because he was about to commit suicide. He said that is a very dark, dark, dark place to be when you get involved in that lifestyle, the the, the porn lifestyle. So I just find it interesting that the Bible says that the penalty of that is death, and that's one of the highest rate of suicides there is, is homosexuals. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes to my mind, John, uh, I just kind of back up where we were just a moment ago. Five years ago, Hillary Clinton was running for the president, presidency of the United States, and she called a select group of people deplorables, unredeemables. You know who she was talking about? Christians. She was talking about those who stand for life and those who stand for yep. Uh, biblical morality. She was saying that we are deplorable who don't agree with the LGBT. I I don't, I can't remember. remember. I don't mean to. No, no, let's be honest. It changes all the time and they keep adding to it. Uh, It's hard to keep up with. I mean, let's just be honest with that dude. Yeah. They're adding. And so it's like, okay for them to call us deplorable. We're not calling them deplorable. We're calling them you're in sin and we have a savior to offer you. Right, right. Yeah. But so is a drunk and an adulterer and yeah. idolater. Yeah. Uh, and all that. Listen, the bottom line is we're not picking on the specific sin. It's just the specific sin keeps coming up in our face over and over. And last week I was approached and asked this question twice. Then my daughter uh, calls me where she had to deal with it because it was in her face. And so three times, technically last week or two weeks ago, I had to deal with, or in the, put it this way, three times in the last two weeks, I had to deal with this question, two on a personal level, and then one as being a third party. And why is it that the church does not accept the LGBTQIA lifestyle and and, and that, the, the letters keep growing, you know, and, and we just have to deal with it. It's not a matter of making fun of it. It is hard to keep up with, but we got to hit it head on. Yeah. We invite them in to hear our message. Yeah. We love them yeah. unconditionally. Yeah. And we've seen the power of the gospel to deliver them. Yeah. And I've had, listen, I've had people call my church and say, Hey, are you a gay friendly church? And my response is always the same. We're friendly to gays and they hang up on me. Cause they see, they already know, they can figure out what we're, they already figured it out. I didn't go, Oh yeah, we will love you. Have you, have you come in? I just said, Hey, we're friendly to gays. Uh, uh, I don't know that we're gay friendly. We're not gay accepting. Uh, we're not, we're not accepting of the gay lifestyle. Mm-hmm. 
it, I find that ironic that they're interested in church. Mm-hmm. We, want have, we want God in our life on our, our standards terms. or our terms. Yeah. And not, yeah. not on, we don't really care what he says. We reject yeah. that, but we want him to bless us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't separate it. Well, and that goes back to Romans 1, 20, I think it is, uh, 21. God put it into every man, his existence. So they're without excuse. Yeah. So that's why everyone wants something to do with a higher power or go to church. They just want stamped into us by our creator. Exactly. And the so it won't go away until he fills it. And, and the reason they're going to church for God, quote unquote, God is they want that part of it, but they don't want to relinquish their part of it. Yeah. We want salvation without repentance. Yeah. Uh, everything's got to be on our terms. And so homosexuality is contrary to sound doctrine. We read that in first Timothy one ten. If there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. If there's anything else other than sodomites, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, anything else that's contrary to the gospel of the scriptures, the Bible, the Holy Bible, also, it is listed among the sins that keep people from heaven. That's a hard one to tell people, man. Let's be honest. It really is. I, I, I had this conversation, and this is the conversation and the scripture that caused the majority of my family to, not, to stop talking to me. And, and it's because... It seems that it seems that all of them have a child that's in this lifestyle. And what's really ironic, Duke, is they all agreed with where I stand now until their child came out of the closet. And then all of a sudden, the Bible's wrong. Anybody who speaks against it's full of hate. And how can you be so hateful? And I'll never talk to you again. But wait a minute, you stood there until your child said, I did a, uh, I hosted a home Bible study in our church. And this is a conservative, godly people. There were, I think, maybe seven couples there. And this question came up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in my uh, text uh, in the lesson I was teaching, but it comes up all the time. That's why we're doing the podcast. And I did a survey. I said, how many of you uh, have uh, close members of your family who have professed themselves to be gay in six out of seven. Yep. Uh, uh, it just, it's just taken seven. over, man. Yeah. It's, it's um, <clears throat> just like the Bible said it would be yeah. in the last days. In first Corinthians six, nine, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God will not inherit heaven, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, thieves, covetous. One thing I find interesting is, it says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived because neither will. And then it gets very specific and homosexuals and sodomites are in there, will not inherit kingdom of God or heaven, right? So the Bible can't, could not be more clear about homosexuality and the fact that it is a sin against God. Homosexuality is not the cause of society's decline. I'll say that. It's a huge, huge point, John. I love this. But it is a symptom of 
society's decline, and it is the result of people making themselves their own God or their final authority. You should say that statement again, the first part. That's powerful. That is not the cause, but it's the symptom, and it is the result of people making themselves the final authority. That's the bottom line. It is my life. I can do what I want with it. And your God is a hateful God, so I won't follow your God, but I'll follow my God. We're not going to stand at the end giving account to the LGB group or Hillary Clinton. We're going to give an account to God. Now, here's what's interesting, Duke. The homosexuals go to church, and they have the Bible, and and they say that's that's what they agree with, right? But if you preach this part of the Bible— they hate you and they say, I'm not, I can't serve your God because your God's full of hate. But then they, they turn right around and go to church that has the Bible that they're preaching out of. They, I, I, man, I, I can't, like, how do you, how do you deal with this? How can you, how can someone not see the contradiction in, in that? And, and how can someone not see, like, I'll, I'll go and listen to the scriptures and I agree with the scriptures as long as the scriptures don't offend my lifestyle. And then if you offend my lifestyle, reading the same scriptures, you're wrong. You're full of hate. That God's full of hate. I want nothing to do with it. Duke, you can't separate that. Smorgasbord uh, biblicism. We'll take what we want and we'll leave what we don't. It's not going to. It's not how it works. And uh, they'll give account. In the meantime, I want to live a life that shows them that there is hope in Jesus Christ. We don't care where you've been. We don't care what you're doing. We we will extend biblical truth to you with unconditional love. And we know the same gospel that completely changed our lives can 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 change their lives. Absolutely. And we welcome them in in repentance. Yeah. Romans chapter one gives the natural digression of society that has chosen uh, idolatry and sinful pleasure instead of God. Roman, and I'm telling you, you read Romans chapter, I'm, I'm encouraging you and challenging you to read Romans chapter one. If you do it, you literally will see the natural digression of a society. It is so amazing. The downward spiral begins when people deny that God should be the absolute authority over creation. Romans 1, 21 through 23. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of God or glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. The digression, like you just said, down, 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 down. And it's because people have denied that God has absolute authority over all of creation. It's none of his business, they say. Well, it's none of his business if... If he disagrees with them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But as long as, as long as there's an agreement with them or with anyone in their sin, let's be honest, right? Everybody's looking for their sin to be justified. Then all of a sudden it's okay. Well, the result of a society's rejection of God's rule in their lives is that God gives them over to a debased mind. Look here in verses 26 and uh, 27. 24 and 25 says that, therefore... 
God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You notice this whole topic is on homosexuality and therefore God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Sex, men with men, women with women. You can't get away what is clearly being talked about. Verse 26 and 27 says, for this reason, for what reason? For this homosexual reason that they have dishonored their bodies, they, in the lust of their hearts, they exchanged the uh, truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. For this reason, or those reasons, if you will, God gave them up to vile passions. God allowed them to have these vile passions. And then it explains the vile passions, women with women and men with men. It is shameful and it is a vile passion that God says. And so when he gives those people over to this lust, that in itself is a judgment. Oh, my God goodness bottoming out and you know today uh, we've thrown the bible out of the school in 1962 and today they're teaching in our public schools that uh, sexuality separate from morality you don't really know that you're heterosexual or homosexual you have to find out well how do you find out you You gotta try it it. you gotta try all these things then you'll figure out what you like and you find out what you are these people are going to be held accountable for that they're teaching it to our children yes they're going to be held accountable for it. And listen, children do what their curiosity leads them to do yeah. because they're fed to believe it's okay. And parents are allowing it. And I'm going to tell you, the homosexual behavior is the result of ignoring God and trying to create our own truth. Yeah. And they're teaching it to our children. And I think as I might interject here for one of my final comments here. When Sodom got there through this process, mm-hmm. when Sodom got there, judgment soon came. Yeah, and we we were told it will be back there in the time of the end, and it's here, yep. which tells us that judgment is about to come. That's our due penalty. That is people reaping the reward for disobedience. Second Thessalonians one eight and nine in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Revelation 21.8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And I want you to see that it is the sexually immoral, and we have already established that homosexuals are the sexually immoral Mm -hmm. or practicing homosexuals Mm -hmm. are sexually immoral. And so you are a part or will be a part of this fire, a lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, as the Bible says. And that is the due penalty. And, And I'm not picking on just homosexuals. That's the due penalty for adulterers, idolaters, liars. Yeah. Everything. 
Uh, it's just this podcast is very specific to homosexuality because we're answering the question, why can't the church accept the LGBTQIA? And, and we cannot accept the sorcerers. We cannot accept idolaters. We cannot right. uh, accept murderers. And uh, we cannot accept the cowardly or the unbelieving. Right. Yeah. Now, we're open for you to come in and sit and listen to the gospel. We're not open to supporting your sin. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the difference. But because we're not supporting the sin, the church is not supporting the sin. The church is now considered a hateful group. But listen, I, I will help you if I can. I just cannot tell you that what you're doing is okay. Yeah. Do not ask and do not expect because it cannot happen. Because I have to choose at that point then. I have to choose to serve you or I have to choose to serve God. Choose this day whom you will serve in this day and forevermore is Jesus Christ. Let us introduce you to beautiful Jesus. Right? right? Amen. Listen, the good news is that homosexuality is not the unpardonable sin. It is not the sin which sends you to hell or which is not forgivable. It's the sin that sends you to hell. It's not the Any sin. sin will send you to hell. Exactly. But it's not an unforgivable sin. Listen, just like greed, theft, murder, everything else that we talked about earlier, as they are forgivable, so is the act of homosexuality. Peter said to them in Acts 2.38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He provides us with new identities. First Peter, this is after we repent. First Peter 1.14 as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Don't go back to your former lust because we're new creatures and you are to behave as new creatures in Christ. Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having, having forgiven you all trespasses. Listen, this is a new life. God forgives you. Do not return back to the vomit as the dog does and to the slop as the pig does. When we read scriptures, it tells us not to do that. Second Corinthians 5.17 clearly says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, that person, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Not old knowledge, old actions. Old actions and old thoughts have passed away. Behold, all actions and all thoughts have become new. That is that which lines up with Jesus Christ. We were once defined by our sins. Duke the drug dealer, no more. Right? <laughs> John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But in Colossians 3, 3, it says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We are no longer the same, no longer identified as who we were. We are now defined by Jesus and his righteousness. Galatians 1, 13, the sinner, those who repent are forgiven and conformed to the image of Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, my former conduct, how I persecuted, past tense, the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it, past tense, right? We have 1 Corinthians 15, 9. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted 
the church of God, past tense, Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many children. Conformed, meaning changed into be like. Listen, we're not identified with who we were. We are now a new child in God, a new person, a new creature, and therefore we should be identified with the one who changed us, washed us, cleaned us, and that's Jesus Christ. You begin with an avalanche of scriptures on condemnation, and we conclude with an avalanche of scriptures on redemption. Absolutely. That's the gospel. And that's the gospel. And that changes everything. This is what saved you. It's what saved me. It's what mm-hmm. changed our lives. And listen, if you're trapped in homosexuality, you can be set free. You can walk in this pure life that we're talking about, that the scriptures talk about. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. It goes on, but, but listen now, homosexuality is noted in this scripture as being one of the sins that keeps you out of heaven. But if we hit verse 11, right, I'm going to read this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, here's your promise. And such were some of you. Listen, some of these people in the Bible live the lifestyle you're living. And Paul says, listen, he reminds us, some of you were exactly that. But, but, it says, and such were some of you, but, man, that word is such a a promise. It's a beautiful word. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, listen, even though you live in that lifestyle, do not allow Satan to convince you that that is your life and that you're identified by that life and it cannot be changed. It can be changed. God didn't make you that way. God wants you to be with him. And we see in the scriptures, there were homosexuals and sodomites and thieves and everything else in the, in the scriptures. And then Paul says, but were some of you, but you were sanctified. You were justified. You were cleaned up, washed up, made white as snow. You have the same promise today. And I want you to know, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. For he made him who knew no sin, for God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Guys, I want you to know, you don't have to stay there. God the Father loved us so much, Duke, Amen. that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, that whosoever should believe in him will stop being a homosexual, will stop being a drug dealer, will stop being an adulterer and an idolater, will stop doing all the evil things, will stop going against Scripture, and will confirm their place in heaven. But it's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I pray today that you find Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I pray today that if you know Jesus, you share this with someone and help them out. Until next week, guys, God bless.